Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Well, I have a great show for you. Some of you are going to be very surprised because of all the what you what you've heard in the mainstream media about January 6th. Some of you may be thinking that uh, all those people are terrorists. If you if you believe Biden, they were all domestic terrorists, and we should be wor- more worried about them than uh, the radical Islamist terrorists, which of course um, is the absolute not truth. <laughs> um, and you know, of course, you you may, if you've been listening recently, actually, to some uh, media outlets, you will be aware that um, some videotape has been shown, has been exposed, and um, has, in fact, shown some realities to what has been happening or what happened on January 6th. Well, today you're going to hear it from the horse's mouth. <laughs> um, my guest, Derek Evans, was there. Not only was he there but he was arrested. So um, I'm going to describe today's show to you, and then uh, I will let him take it away, and you will hear from, you know, he has no reason to lie to you. He's already been convicted. He served his time. You know, there's no way that he's going to try to say he wasn't there, especially since he uh, uh, took video of it. So let me just tell you, to, to some people, Derek Evans is an enigma. How can someone be a part of the January 6th riots be convicted, apologize, and then run for Congress. There's no question that he was there at the January 6th, 2021 Capitol riot. He live-streamed it uh, himself. He live-streamed himself on Facebook Live, and he was shouting such things as, quote, we're taking this country back, whether you like it or not. Patriots stand up. He was one of the more prominent defendants, and he faced, faced more serious charges because he was considered a leader, as he had been a West Virginia state legislator at the time. He pleaded guilty to a felony civil disorder charge and was sentenced to 90 days in jail. He is now out, and he's more committed than ever to saving America. So, will his role in the January 6th riots help him get elected or hurt him? What was the riot really like? It's not the narrative that the mainstream media has been feeding us. Now that we've seen, as I was saying, some of the previously hidden video, we know it's not what they've been trying to sell us as the truth. So, um, Derek, let me let me describe, uh, tell you some of the backstory of Derek Evans. He's a lifelong West Virginian. Uh, He received a Bachelor of Arts from West Liberty University, where he earned Uh, NCAA first team All-American honors as captain of the football team. I mean, you know, this is like (laughs) this is like Americana here, (laughs) an American young man who got into all this trouble. Um, He was uh, also a contributing member of the men's track team. After he was graduated from college, he returned to Wayne County in uh, West Virginia, where he began teaching and football coaching. After four years in the education system, he stepped away from teaching to pursue his passion in real estate investing and property management. 
He was first elected to the West Virginia House of Delegates in 2020, as he became the first Republican to win his district in over 98 years. At the time, it was a multi-member House district, almost the size of the current West Virginia State Senate district. Um, Eric Derek won in a landslide victory. He married his college sweetheart, and uh, who's a first generation America, and together they have four children. Now, is this um, a picture like um, Norman Rockwell would paint, <laughs> or what? So how did a nice guy like you end up in a place like the Capitol riot? And let me just say, you know, I know I'm saying that, but, um, you know, obviously uh, I I do not think that um, people who rioted were domestic terrorists. Um, and I do not think that Trump sent them there. So take it away. Well, first of all, thank you for having me on the show. I really appreciate the opportunity to, to come on here and, and have a, a good discussion about all of this. And, and you're correct. Uh, you know, uh, I'm not a domestic terrorist and, you know, I'm responsible for my own actions. As I've said multiple times, I'm not going to blame President Trump or someone else, you know, for my actions that day. And uh, just to be clear, I was I was nonviolent. I was non-destructive. I walked through open set of doors. I thanked a police officer for his service. He gave me a friendly fist bump. I walked out the same set of doors I was I, I entered and I was fa facing 24 years in prison. And we can get into all that here in a second. But that's the reality of the situation uh, with this weaponized uh, FBI and DOJ right now we're dealing with in this country. Yes. Um, and if I didn't say it before, the title of today's show is From Convicted January 6th Rioter to Today's Congressional Hopeful. So let's hear about this. Now, when you um, were you at the... Um, at the what do I call it the the ellipse. no the the meeting that Trump had um, yes right the ellipse um, the I watched it on television were you there and is that did you that you couldn't have planned to or did you did you know that you were going to go into the Capitol uh, before you were at the ellipse or how did yeah that so so I'd love to clear up a couple of misconceptions in general about that day so. First of all, the the entire event was never officially called Stop the Steal. That was just the hashtag that went viral. It was called March to Save America. And so the, the plan from the get-go was after Trump spoke, this is days and weeks leading up to this was the plan, after Trump spoke, everyone was going to march to the Capitol and there were other stages set up for more guest speakers. There were, you know, Doctor uh, Doctor Simone Gold, uh, Brandon Strzok with Walkaway. There were there were several, you know, lots of different speakers who were going to be set up and having another event over there, right outside of the Capitol. So that's the first thing I want everybody to know. When everybody hears that famous of Trump's telling everybody we're walking to the Capitol, that was the plan weeks and weeks ahead of time. So when I got to D.C. that morning, um, I showed up and about six thirty in the morning, roughly. Uh, there was already a, a line over a mile long to get into the ellipse to listen to President Trump speak. Well, I didn't want it was cold. I didn't want to just stand in a line all day. So I was you know, I walked around uh, and, and found myself. I walked down towards the Capitol. I wanted to see the setup for the uh, the rest of the speakers later that day. And, and thought, you know, I'll just listen to Trump's speech on the way home. Uh, it's a long drive home. I, I, was, I mean, I've heard him speak, you know, hundreds of times. And there was a, just a long line. I just didn't want to deal with that. And so I chose to go just check out the Capitol. I didn't realize how long of a walk it really was. After I got down there, uh, I found myself on the back side of the Capitol, the east side. And um, there was a stage set up. And, you know, this is where 
And, and the reason I ended up staying there is this is where the members of Congress were entering and leaving the building throughout the day. And so found ourselves just having a lot of fun. I mean, you know, if it was somebody that we knew was, uh, you know, you know, not supportive of why we were there. We would boo. Nobody was cussing or anything, but we just boo. You know, have have good old time. You know, fun that way. If it was somebody like a Matt Gates or something walked by, we'd all chant and you know hoot and holler. And so it was just good, friendly atmosphere. And as the crowd continued to grow throughout the day, so I just stayed on the east side of the building. So uh, I was on the east side the the entire time. So okay, so what did you think was going to be happening? So originally, I mean, like I said, there's a stage set I mean, up. I mean, did you did you expect did you not expect to go inside the Capitol? No, I never really, I never had any plans or intentions of going inside the building. I ne honestly, I never had any intentions of not going inside the building. It was not something I hadn't really thought of, to be honest with you. Uh -huh. um, I, I didn't know at the time it was, it was, you know, cause that's a public building where people go in there all the time. I've been in there before, uh, but I this, <laughs> yeah, this was closed down that day because of COVID. That's it all goes back to COVID. It was, it was closed down because of COVID. They didn't want, that's why the building was shut down for the day. I didn't realize that. I live in West Virginia, a rural area. We had stopped paying attention to COVID, you know, several months before that. I, I didn't realize that people were still, you know, doing this. <laughs> I, I mean, I really didn't. Genuinely, I didn't didn't realize that. And so um, I, I really didn't. I didn't even know that the building was closed. I just I just thought I, I really didn't. I just thought that maybe there's already a lot of people in there or something. I, I never really thought about it. So. So, OK. So and so when did you start how soon or when did you start um recording yourself live to Facebook live Yeah so you know as you said I was I was a state uh, elected state legislator at the time and um even before that I was you know I was going around I was a conservative activist if you want to I guess it be the best way of explaining it so I had a pretty good following on social media on Facebook you know I mean you know, 60, 70,000 followers or something, nothing massive, but I mean, it was a good following and, and uh, I live streamed a lot of events. That's what I did. And so uh, one of the reasons, I mean, going there, I was already planning to live stream just because, you know, we've seen so many times that people don't see the truth with anything. And yeah. so that was something that I did and brought to my constituents here and not just the constituents, but followers all over the country. I, I would, um, you know, I'd live stream just different events I would go to. So I started live streaming early in the day, uh, just hanging out, you know, chatting with people in the comments a little bit and, and just showing everybody what was what it was like on the ground there on, you know, outside the Capitol. And so I'd started I actually the, the one of me going in the in the building was my second uh, live stream that day because Facebook only lets you do four hour you know live stream. So I've been live streaming for hours. I probably started, you know, I got there at the backside of the Capitol, probably seven thirty, eight o'clock in the morning. And I had just hung out there pretty much all day. And I'd been live streaming on and off throughout the day. Um but yeah, I've been I've been I've been live streaming for hours prior to uh, entering the building. Well, now what about um? There's an art. I know. I mean, this is coming from uh, CNN. So <laughs> <laughs> one of my never, favorites. You never take it with a grain of salt. Um, but they say, let's see. Um, They say, where to go? Um, Evans played a role. Let's see. Uh, Mr. Evans held a position of public trust at the time of the riot. Um, his presence and promotion of election conspiracies lent credibility to the riot. Evans played a role in escalating things on the east side before it was breached by relaying what was happen happening on the west side terrace where things had already turned violent. Um, to the crowd gathered on the east side, 
which was still relatively peaceful at the time. Prosecutors told the court that this, in part, turned the east side crowd, crowd violent. What do you have to say to that? First of all, it's a communist news network. That's what CNN stands for. Um, <laughs> we, we, the east side was never violent at all, ever, at any point. So they're, obviously they're, they're making all this up. But here, here, so while on the live stream, you know, the people in the chat was like, hey, the people on the other side of the building have already, they're, they're, they're like in the grass or whatever. And so I, like three people beside of me, I just said, Hey, somebody said it on the other side of the building. They're already, you know, that, 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 that is how I led things on the side of the building. And then furthermore, this is how crazy these people are. This is how corrupt the, the, the prosecuting attorneys and all these people are in this whole January 6th situation. They, they, they said that because I was an elected official, that I was the leader on the east side of the building. And what they meant by that was like, supposedly, these people from all over the country were supposed to know who I was, even though I'm just a uh, you know, small state representative. Nobody there had a clue who I was. But to them, they would made it paint the picture as if everyone there was listening to me because I was some state rep from West Virginia that they'd never heard of. And, you know, quite frankly, most of the day, most of the things that I'm guilty of is – um is repeating the things that I said. It's just not me. It's all the January 6th defendants. If you look at the charging documents and the court documents, most of it is tweets and media posts, social media posts we made leading up to January 6th and things that we said that day. For me, because I was reporting to people what was going on on the ground, when somebody said something, I would typically repeat it back. And so that was uh, some of the, the, the worst things that I did that day. Well, maybe they just thought that you had leadership abilities. <laughs> yeah, may, maybe. I, I don't know. <laughs> I should be flattered. <laughs> well, yes. Well, actually, you know, like I was uh, reading from your bio, you know, um, you you were elected to the West Virginia House of Delegates in 2020, the first Republican to win this district in over 98 years. Now, this was before January 6th. So how did you do that? Yeah. So, well, first of all, I mean, this is Trump country. Um, the, most of the Democrats here historically were never radical left people. The, the state and the district had already been trending uh, conservative for, for quite some time, but nobody had been able to get over the hump for, for, for many years. Um, look, I, I never even had planned to run. Uh, long story short, I used to stand. Um, I just had a calling from God. I, I felt that it was anyways to start standing outside of our local abortion clinic. Long story short, um, just like we've seen in the movie Unplanned, uh, they started, you know, making up lies and such on me. So the, the actually, at the advice of the police officers, they told me to start videoing it. Well, I don't have, uh, didn't have the equipment at the time. I just had a cell phone, so I started live streaming it to Facebook. Didn't think anything of it, and that's one of the ways that the, uh, you know, my social media following started growing. And uh, so because of that, I, I was very frustrated with what was going on in our state at the time. We had a Republican majority and they were not uh, moving things forward in terms of the pro-life movement in the state, as well as many other things, the transgender movement, all these all these issues. And my rep would not reach back out to me, would not contact me, would not re return my call. So I got frustrated and said, you know what, I'm going to I probably won't win, but I'm just going to run. I mean, if nothing else, they're going to have to listen to me uh -huh. if I'm running for office. And so I ran as in my one of my slogans was I had two slogans. Was, one was uh, let's elect patriots, not politicians. And the other one was fighting for Christian values. And I ran on a platform that basically said, I don't really care if you elect me or not. This is what I believe in. If you don't like it, go vote for the other guy. Could care less. The people loved it because they saw the authenticity. They saw the truth. They knew uh -huh. that someone was going to stand up and fight for them. And so that was really the, the basis of my platform and, and historically won in a landslide victory. So it was, it was amazing how that all worked out.
So they were right when they said you were a leader. You have these leadership abilities. <laughs> well, um, you know, actually, one of the things um, maybe we'll talk about later. I want to get. I want to stay for now on the on January sixth. But um, I'm certainly I'm a I'm not only a conservative or Republican, but also um, a, a, I I certainly a supporter of Trump. And um, but. I am not, uh, and I've been a Republican for a very long time, as long as I can remember. And, um, but I am not for, um, I'm not pro-life. And I'm worried, um, and I think this happened in the midterms, and I'm worried about the future. I think that um, it is not, it is not doing the Republicans any good to, um, you know, get into the abortion issue. Because um, because half the population is women, and most women um, do want to have control over their bodies. So I don't really think that um, it's helping Republicans to get elected if they make that a political issue. You know, long time ago, I don't know how many years ago, but um, you know how the uh, the two parties send out questionnaires asking their like if you've if you've um, signed up to vote as a republican you get republican questionnaires democrat you get democrat questionnaires and that was the thing that i wrote this might have been at least 10 years ago um that i don't think politicians or i don't think parties should get involved in religious issues in abortion um and for me i don't i don't i don't consider it a religious issue even though it is part of my religious faith but i i don't consider a religious issue and quite frankly i don't really care about i don't say i don't care about the republican party but the way i describe myself is uh, i'm a christian first i'm an american second i'm a conservative third and then i'm a republican fourth that's just me well okay i I shouldn't have said religious i mean i mean it is uh, to to some degree a, a religious issue but mainly it's it's about women having control over their bodies. That's the part that I'm really concerned about. But anyway, we will get yeah. we can talk more about that, but and and certainly no more about January sixth. Um, but I, I it just worries me because I would like more Republicans to get elected, and I think they're shooting themselves in the foot. Obviously, not you. You got elected by a landslide. <laughs> and when we come back, we will talk more with my guest Derek Evans. And more about um, January 6th, from convicted January 6th rioter to today's congressional hopeful. So stay tuned. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com 
These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Birdie told me Voice America is on Twitter. Follow us at Voice America TRN. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch, where we're having a rousing discussion. (laughs) Uh, Today's show is From Convicted January 6th Rioter to Today's Congressional Hopeful. And my guest is Derek Evans. And um, as we've been talking about, he was there. He was, uh, be there, be square. He was there. (laughs) He pled guilty and he was given 90 days. Um, So right now we were kind of at the east side um, when we left off. And tell us more about what was really happening on that day. Um, In particular, you know, whether you saw any people other than patriots. Let's start with that. Yeah, so uh, like I said, everything that people have seen on the news regarding January 6th has been on the west side of the building and primarily the the west tunnel area. Uh, I, I think it's important for people to understand there's obviously four sides to a building, and it's a huge building. And so everyone who's a different at part of the building is going to have a different story, a different experience. And so for me, on the east side of the building, look, there was a there was a street preacher that was there for a little while, and a church service had broken out. There was veterans in wheelchairs. There were young families. There were old couples. I mean, it was it was just uh, you know a very peaceful atmosphere throughout the the entire day. Um, I did not personally see anyone that was, um, you know, uh, what I would consider like that's an Antifa person or whatever who, who was doing anything. But I've seen videos since then. And obviously, this is very strongly and very, you know, been a huge impact on my life, whether that's for the good or the bad or whatever, how you want to describe that. But it's, uh, you know, it's been a big part of my life. Um, and I have done a lot of research on that, obviously, and have spoken to countless other people who were there that day. Um, and there's no doubt that there were Antifa infiltrators that day. We, we knew there's rumors about it leading up to that day uh, mm-hmm. as well. And and they had already been beating up people, you know, throughout the summer. And, and even the, the the protests had been a few weeks before January 6th in D.C. Uh, a lot of Trump uh, protesters that got beaten up on the way home just jumped, you know, uh, by a group of Antifa members. So they were definitely there that day. We've seen videos of it. And, and you know, look, the, 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 the government's basically telling us that they were. I mean, in, in one of the um, one of the, 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 the hearings, they asked, you know, how many FBI informants were, were involved. And they said that they refused to answer that question. Why would you refuse huh. to answer that question if the answer is zero? Huh. Huh. Yes. And so they were more on the West side. So, OK. So what happened when the day so, but you did, you did go inside. You said yes. yes you did. you were, the the um, policeman fist bumped you. You were saying yep. earlier. Okay, so what did you do when you were inside? 
Yeah. So, um, and it's all on video. People who can, like, you don't have to take my word for it. It's pinned to the top of my social media feeds right now. Everybody can watch the video for themselves. Um, I walked in, uh, like I said, through the open doors, the big East Columbus doors that now are famous because everybody knows how, how much they weigh and there's proof that they had to be open from the inside and just all those are the doors that I entered. Um, and so after thanking the police officer and receiving a fist bump, I walked into the public rotunda area uh, immediately. And I'm heard on the video. Once again, I immediately started reminding everyone to not be distracted not to touch anything these are artifacts it's like respect our property and, and, and actually saying that to people yeah yes ma'am it's it's on the video and, and believe it or not this is once again how corrupt this government is they use that against me they use that as a way to say that i was saying those things because i saw people who were doing these 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 terrible things and i still chose to be a part of it and that me saying that didn't didn't but that's not true so throughout the entire day on my side of the building we had all been just throughout the day reminding each other hey we're not Antifa. We're going to be respectful. We knew if we so much as knocked over a styrofoam cup that the media is going to, you know, paint it as something, you know, major. So we were we were self-aware of that and had been saying that throughout the day. So upon entering the building, I just continued to say what I'd been saying for hours, which is, hey, we're not going to be destructive. We're not going to be violent. We're not, you know, that's that's not who we are. And there's people in the background you can hear saying the same thing. It's not just me in that video. Um, so I, I spent 10 minutes inside, roughly 10 minutes inside the uh, the public rotunda area. I didn't go to any offices or try to mingle, you know, meander around or anything like that. I walked straight in there into the public rotunda area, spent about 10 minutes, uh, received an alert on my phone that said DC was going into lockdown. Um, uh, there's a curfew at 6 p.m. or whatever. My instant thought, believe it or not, it's silly looking back on it now after knowing I was facing 24 years in prison at that time. But uh, at the time, I, my my mindset was, man, I need to get out of here and find get back up with the, the group I came here with and get out of here before the curfew sets in because I don't want to get in trouble for being out after curfew. <laughs> That's where my mind was. And so I walked out the building. Huh. Okay, so then what happened? How did they catch up with you to arrest you, and where did they catch up with you? Yeah, so uh, the the after that, the live the uh, live stream was basically cutting in and out. The the cell phone uh, signal started getting jammed after that alert had went out in the area, and uh, so cell phone communications was going down. I ended the live stream as soon as I ended the live stream. It already had like over a million views, and I was like, oh man. And so um, I get back into uh, into cell phone service like when I was leaving DC. Um, this is skipping a little bit, obviously, but I, I had a had, had a gentleman come up to me at one point and told me that he knew somebody had been shot. And that's why I was like, really? Like, you know what I mean? Because I, I didn't see anything at all like that. So then I was kind of concerned. I'm like, maybe maybe there you know, there's more going on here than I realize. When I get back into cell phone service, my phone is blowing up. I mean, uh, media from not just all over the country, all over the world are reaching out to me. And at first I thought, like, this is pretty cool, you know, like everybody's wanting to see, you know, because they knew I was there. But then I was like, there, if the media is involved, there's something's going on. And then other people started showing me, said, man, have you seen these videos? It was videos from the other side of the building. And I saw that. So I thought they think that I was with that. They think I was you know, involved in that. And so then I was like, I'm not speaking right now. I mean, I need to figure out what's going on. And so I, I ignored all those. I got home on January, uh, late January oh, 6th. Wait, early wait, 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 what do you mean home? Home where? To what, back to West Virginia. So I left D.C. right around 7 o'clock that night or whatever. I got home around like uh, on January 7th at like 2 or 3 in the morning. It was like, you know, really late uh, that night that I, that I got in. So you and, didn't have uh, any trouble like getting to the airport and just taking a plane home? No, I actually, I, I rode a bus, but no, no, all the January 6th people just hopped on. If they did ride a plane, they just hopped on a plane and went home. There's no big deal. There was zero arrests that day. There was no indication. Huh. Look, look, if, if they would have literally, if they just had signs up that said, 
entering this building or doing this is a felony. Like, I mean, January 6th never would have happened, but uh -huh. there was no indications of that. Police are standing. If police would have started arresting people, none of this would have happened. But when police are standing by and you're walking by and they're giving people fist bumps and, and, you know, why would someone think that, you know, that this is honestly what I thought, and this is what I, I told them. Uh, they said, do you didn't think he was going to get in trouble for this? I said, well, I mean, Honestly, I thought that maybe I would get like a hundred dollar ticket, like the people who pounded on the doors during the Kavanaugh hearings. And I'm prepared to pay that hundred dollar citation, but no, I'm not prepared to spend 24 years in prison for walking through an open set of doors. That's insanity, you know? <laughs> so that, that's, that was the situation. And, but because of uh, the, the, my, my, following on social media and all of this some people from the left had had screen recorded that and started blasting it off so by the time i got home my face was all over the national media the the, the first three faces of uh january 6 was myself richard bigo barnett for putting his feet up on pelosi's desk and and then jake who uh, you know the the, the american shaman, shaman. He, yeah. uh, us three were the, the original face of January 6th and me because of my position as, a, as an elected legislator. And so I, my face was everywhere. And so I had a, a local attorney who, who I'd known who reached out and said, Hey, I think everything's fine, but like, man, I've never seen anything like this in terms of the media. I, I think that just to, you know, to cover our butts here, let's, you know, go ahead and re get this squared away. So I retained him. He reached out to the FBI and the DOJ and said, Hey, representing this guy he's all over the media if you guys want him please let us know because he's got he's got kids he don't want you guys kicking his door in never heard from him on the 8th i mean the media is swarming my house by the way and the media had been gone for a couple hours they'd, they'd, they'd left out of nowhere but then they came back and started sending their tripods and i just knew something was up huh. and so on the january 8th around 3 p.m about 10 minutes after the media set back up they they came about 10 to 15 agents deep arrested me and roger stoned me uh so that they could get their their you know, their video footage of me getting arrested that day so that's how i was found i mean i was on your kids. In front all of, these places in front of your kids yes ma'am yep yeah. yep I had, I had at the time i had three kids the oldest was five and my wife was nine months pregnant my wife had left that that uh day to go to her final doctor's appointment before giving birth to our fourth child they actually told me they watched her leave they knew I was home alone with my kids, and that's when they showed up to arrest me. Uh, and and in their defense, I will say that they were. Uh, I was very glad that they uh, did not kick my door in, and they did not. Uh, I mean, they allowed me to call my grandmother and uh, my neighbors to come over and sit with the kids. So I was thankful for that at least. Very nice, very nice of them. I mean, you know, here that you you your lawyer already contacted them. They could have just contacted your lawyer and asked you to come to a certain building and be arrested. You yes, ma'am. Um, okay, so then what happened? Yeah, so I was originally charged with two misdemeanors and uh, was was sent home. And I uh, was like, you know, honestly, that was a relief because at this point, I'd never even heard, I've never even heard of insurrection before January 6th, you know. I mean, I may have heard it in passing, but I never really thought anything of it. And you got all these people who are telling you that, you know, you just committed insurrection and you're going to be, you're going to be hung, you know, and I'm like, the first, the first few times you hear that, you don't, you're like, you just laugh it off. But when you're literally all over the the, the media and that you got all these talking heads across the country who are saying this, you start, to, you start to get a little nervous, you know. And I'm um, thinking, is you know, is this really going to happen? So, to 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 get to find out the charges was a little, and having that over with was almost a, a relief. Um, and then they came back a few months later and 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 charged me with two more misdemeanors. So now I was facing four misdemeanors. 
only to come back two weeks after that and offer me a verbal plea deal and said, choose your misdemeanor. We'll drop all the other charges. I said, well, send me the paperwork. I want to see this in writing. I want to see what this is all about. And and then about a month later, they reached out again and said, we're, we are withdrawing this verbal plea offer. This is coming from the highest levels of the DOJ. My boss doesn't even know where this is coming from. Buckle up. It's going to be a long ride because everything we discuss from this point forward is going up the chain of command and down the chain of command. Oh, and by the way, we're indicting you on the 1512 obstruction of official proceeding charge, which is the, the most egregious of all the charges involved in January 6th, which comes with a 20-year prison sentence. So now I'll go from that to facing 24 years in prison. And, and I went to the bathroom after I got off the phone and just started crying. And I didn't understand federal sentencing guidelines. I hear 24 years. I'm going away for 24 years. And, uh, you know, the only thing I could think about was uh, at the time I have two, two girls and two boys, you know, and because um, our fourth son or our fourth child who was a son had just been born. And all I could think about was my little girls, though. I, for whatever reason, I just kept thinking, I'm not even going to be home in time to walk my little girls down the aisle and give them away. I'm going to miss their entire oh, life. Yeah. That's that's where my mindset was. So it was it was devastating, to say the least. You were expecting them to get married early. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, um, my oldest was five, you know what I mean? Almost six. So when you're, you're talking, you're 29, 30 years old. I'm like, I'm, I'm going to be missing every, I'm going to miss their entire life. Yes. So, okay. So then you were taken to jail. No. So, so then the next plea, I had an 18 month legal battle and I'm very fortunate. Okay. I'm very lucky and very fortunate that I was home during my pretrial detention, as opposed to some of these people who have been locked up in 700 plus days of solitary confinement in yeah. pretrial detention with no bond. It's, it's absolutely ridiculous. It's appalling what has taken place. So I was fortunate. I was lucky. Uh, there was some other plea offers in there in between all of this where they were wanting me to spend four years in prison or whatever. And I just three or four years, and I just, I kept saying no. And, and I, when this all first happened, I, me and my wife talked about it. And we prayed about it. And I told her, I said, I, you know, when it comes down to it, I want you, you're going to be the one that has to make this decision because I'm willing to fight this all the way. But I understand that this is bigger than just me. It's that we've got a family here. So in January, they, they also, they, they collect your bank records when they arrest you. So they watch your bank account dwindle. We're facing bankruptcy, just barely hanging on. They come back in January of uh, 2022 and said, here, the final plea offer, um, take it or leave it, uh, civil disorder, and you'd be facing um, a zero to six months in prison. At this point, we know they won't remove the trials out of D.C. You know you're not getting a fair trial in D.C. So the options were go to trial and be convicted and face 24 years in prison or take this plea offer and and hope for the, the lesser of the zero to six months. And uh, instead of $500,000 in fines and restitution, it was 4000 And so uh, that's what we decided to do. And, and ended up getting sentenced to three months in prison. Uh, the first week of that, I spent in solitary confinement because I refused the COVID vaccine. Um, and so I uh, spent eight days in solitary confinement and uh, 90 days in federal prison. Huh. <laughs> I, I'm not vaccinated either, and I don't plan to be. Um, huh. What, so how, what was that like, being in solitary confinement? Let's start with that. You know, that's something I don't think anyone could ever prepare for or, or ever um, understand unless you've been there yourself. It's absolute torture. You, there's no concept of time. There's there's I didn't have a book for five days. I mean, you're locked down 24 hours a day in, in a little tiny cell by yourself. Uh, what I did, I was very fortunate once again to, uh, you know, I try to find the bright side of everything. I was on the third floor. And so across from me uh, was across the hall outside my cell. There was a big window, uh, not really a window, but basically like a window. It had bars and stuff all over it, obviously. And uh, I could see outside. 
and uh, in, in one little area because there was another building I, I was looking at. But over here, I could see outside. And so luckily, once again, by the grace of God, there was a fire hydrant and a tree there. And so what I would do is I would watch the shadows on the fire hydrant as it was getting ready to touch the sidewalk or, this, or the, the, the shadow from the tree touching the building. And as soon as it got to a very distinct point, I would ask the guard what time it was. And I would mark it down somehow or another so I could remember that. So by the third day or third day or so, the end of the third day, I could pretty much tell what time it was. Uh, by looking at the shadows outside. And that was like a huge win for me in that moment to build up to just to have a concept of time because sitting in there with no concept of time, I can't even describe what that feels like. No human interaction. You, you just, it's, it's torture. No Apple watch allowed, huh? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> watch even, right? <laughs> yeah. Ah. <laughs> uh. Well, we, when we come back, um, I'm going to ask you to tell me more, tell the listeners and me and I, um, to tell us all <laughs> more about that and about the uh, the days in prison, you know, after after the solitary confinement. Um, you know, as a psychiatrist, what I imagine solitary confinement is, and I've done, I do forensic psychiatry as well, so um, I visit prisoners in jail and you know for various I'll kinds of things, and. Um, and, um, you know, that is the, the, the worst part of solitary confinement, as I've been told, is the part about how all the things, your regrets and your guilts, you know, all the things in your life that you did that you that not necessarily the thing for why you're in there, but just in general in your life, things that you very true done a different way. Right. Or um, or things you're worried about, you know, parents dying or all these things that that, you know, uh, the dark forces in your mind come and, and they have have at you with total freedom, um, you know, in this solitary confinement. Well, OK, we need to take another break. This, this is so interesting. It's so hard to take breaks. <laughs> um, my guest is Derek Evans. We're talking today about from convicted January 6th rioter to today's congressional hopeful. And we're going to talk a little more about that too. Um, his, his decision to, to run for Congress, you know, not just, uh, not just in uh, West Virginia, but, you know, Congress, the Capitol building, you know, where, where he, um, you know, broke in. I'm, I'm only kidding. He didn't break You're in. Fine. You're good. <laughs> you, you didn't, uh, <laughs> he got a fist bump. And <laughs> so he was invited in anyhow, from there to now running, actually to be a United States congressman. So stay tuned and we'll be right back. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com 
Tune into the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. We're with you wherever Alexa and Google are. At home, in the car, on your smart TV, and your connected devices. Hey, Alexa. Hey, Google. Play my favorite Voice America podcast on TuneIn. It's just that easy. But make sure you actually mention the name of the podcast show to make it work. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Cast, where we're talking today about from convicted January 6th rioter to today's congressional hopeful. And my guest is Derek Evans. Derek, I didn't realize how famous you were, that you were one of the three faces of uh, January 6th. Um, this is great. Um, you know, one of the things, I, I've done a lot of interviews about January 6th, but not more about, um, for example, the the um, uh, children of January sixth people who um, who reported their parents to the FBI and the police and so on. And about I talked about the um, the betrayal that that was that these kids uh, have been so brainwashed in school, you know, to be against. Um, to think that, that the January 6th trespassers, as I call them, um, were so bad and, you know, and to think that and, or Trump was so bad or all of the above. Um, and and so some, as you probably, I'm sure you know this, um, so there were some teenagers and some 20-year-olds and some, you know, just kids um, who reported, who saw videos, you know, because of the news, saw their parents on video or and and reported them. Do you have you? Do you know of some stories like that? I, I do, I do, and and you know, it's really sad. You know, the media manipulation and all of this. I mean, people are forgetting that. You know, for two years at this point, you know, but I mean, especially early on, they're they're calling all of us domestic terrorists, which is simply not true. And so, as you said, these people who uh, suffer from the TDS, the, the Trump deranged syndrome. Uh, turned around and and then turned in their actual parents over 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 protesting and you know it just once again it shows you how powerful the mind is and how much it can be manipulated and it's it's really sad what what took place. So now let's go back to the prison and to your transfer from solitary confinement to a federal prison. What was that like? Yeah, so uh, it was. Uh, first of all, it was amazing. I could not wait to get out of, you know, people would probably think you don't want to be in general population. I was like, I didn't want to be in solitary confinement. That was torture. It was terrible. Um, at the same time, though, you know, I, I refused to um, to waste that time. You know, I tried to grow as a person individually and 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 just took that challenge head on. And I'm proud of myself for that. Uh, but getting into general population was was amazing. Uh, the, the the I remember you know setting my stuff down and uh, they said, hey, we got a move coming up, which means you're allowed to, to move throughout the facility. And I was allowed to go outside, and it was the first time. You know, I went out and just laid in the grass and just looked at the sky and felt the wind and just was just like so grateful and joyous to the things that everybody takes for granted on a regular basis. You know, it was just it was just amazing to get out and 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 have hu- human interaction again, even if it was 
you know, uh, a little dangerous, you know, because you don't know what, what you get into in prison. But, you know, it was it was I was happy to get out of solitary confinement. And and did you have any idea um, when you were in solitary how long you were going to be in there for? No, ma'am. So when I got there, they asked if I was vac vaccinated and I said no. And they said, uh, well, uh, if you don't take the vaccination, you're, you've got to go into quarantine, which is they throw you in the hole in solitary confinement. But they call it quarantine. And I said, that's fine. I mean, let's, th let's go to quarantine. And so first they said it'll just be a couple of days. Well, then they came back a few days later and was like, you should only get the vaccine because, um, you know, we got more people coming in. You, you might we, we don't know how, how long you're going to be in here for. And I said, I'll, I'll stay here the full three months if I have to. Like, I'm not. I'm not taking your mystery shot. And uh, so then it came on uh, like a Friday or whatever and was like, we're going to try or no, it was a Saturday. So we're going to try to get you guys out of here on Monday, you know, into gen, gen pop if, if we can. I said, that'd be great. So, uh, you know, I, I just kept telling myself it was only a few more days. I didn't know how long it'd be, but I just kept telling my mind, hey, man, just two more days in here, you know, whatever, no matter how many days left. They came and told me it was 100 days left. I would have told myself just okay. two more days, just get through two more days. So that's, that's how I did it. Hmm. And um, when you were in general population, were there other January 6th people in there? No, when I first got there, I was the first one. Uh, there ended up being two more who came later on. But no, originally I was the first uh, one there. And it was uh, a big talk around the, around the prison, to say the least. Uh, and so that was a little nerve wracking. I didn't know how the how inmates they, were going to take that. Yeah, how did they take that? They loved it. Honestly, I was uh, they, they thought it was awesome. And it didn't matter what color skin these people had. Uh, everybody there thought it was, it was, they thought it was dumb and they thought it was cool and they thought it was stupid that I was there and didn't, didn't, didn't think they, they just couldn't believe I was the first person they had met. They'd seen all this on the news. They couldn't believe that they were really locking people up. And, and especially for like a couple months, he's like, dude, why are you even here? You know? And then, and then, you know, uh, like a month and a half into this, I'd already kind of earned the trust of everybody. Like they, they, you know, cause the, these guys, you know, they, they'll call their family and say, I need you to Google this person. They want to make sure you're telling the truth, right? I mean, anybody could come uh -huh. in here. And I could have been, you know, any, any charges and said that that's what I was there for. Um, and quite frankly, as long as you're not somebody who has uh, snitched on somebody else and you're not somebody who's touched a child, then quite frankly, they're, they're going to be pretty cool with pretty much anybody, you know, their charges that is. Uh, mm -hmm. But so they Googled and or they had people on the outside of Google and found out, you know, I was telling the truth. And so at that point, they, they were pretty accepting of me. But I'll never forget about a month and a half in, uh, they, 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 they yelled at me across the yard and they're like, Evans, get over here. I'm like, what's up? And, and uh, you know, they said, well, well, we got another, this guy over here is claiming he's here for January 6th. I said, okay. And they're like, but they he says he's here on misdemeanors. Like, this guy's lying, right? Like, there's no way. But I had to come over and defend this guy because the inmates who know this system better than anybody had never heard of someone going to prison over a misdemeanor before. And they were ready to beat this guy up thinking that he was a child toucher who was lying and oh making this God. up just to try to hide his charges. And and it was it was all true. And because I finally came over and was like, hey, this is this guy. Hey, this is true, guys. Like, they were locking people up. Like, I know who this guy is, you know. And and that that's that was what saved this guy for a couple of days, you know, because they were going to spend a couple of days and, and find some people on the outside to research him because they didn't believe him. And then there was a third one who came. Yeah. And then there was a third one that came and, you know, it was, you know, it's amazing how you just have an instant bond with somebody, you know, uh, in that situation, you know, prison, look, prison's not, prison's not fun by any means. Um, you know, and, um, I, I went in there with a the mindset of, you know, I was going to try to keep my circle very small and not try to get involved in the prison politics that take place out on the yard. And I'm, 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 I'm visiting, this is their world. I'm here for 90 days. You're supposed to leave the ball. Yeah. Well, I was like, you know, I'm not, I'm not going in here to try to make any changes or anything. This is their world. 
uh, I'm living in it. I'm visiting it for 90 days and I'm going to abide by the rules and I'm going to keep my head down and just try to avoid all of that. And, uh, but you know, when you meet someone else who's involved in January, say, and I made a lot of, honestly, you know, the, 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 the thing I'd like to tell everybody is all the misjustices that have taken place with the weaponization of this government against January 6th defendants. This has been happening in this country for so many years. You know, when I went in there, I thought I was going to meet everybody's going to say, oh, I'm innocent. I can't believe they did this to me. I didn't meet a single person who said they were innocent. But you know what I found? Every single person said, I have been overcharged and I've been oversentenced. And I couldn't believe how many people were in prison for, for 10 to 15, some 20 years well, some even longer, but I mean, on, on, on victimless crimes, you know, and it's, it's appalling that what we're, what we're doing in this country right now, there needs to be massive criminal justice reform in this country. And I'm hoping that they can take the, 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 the conservatives can look at January 6th and apply that and realize it's happening all across this country. All right. Now let's, I want to make sure you have enough time to talk about, you know, your running. When did you decide, first of all, to run? Yeah, well, you know, a lot of people have been asking me for for a while uh, leading up to everything. And I said, look, guys, I've got a lot of going on right now. You know, you know, I want to get through all my legal stuff. I obviously got to talk to my wife about it. I got out of prison at the end of October. Um, and, you know, we sat down. We People were reaching out instantly. I live in one of the reddest districts in the country. Trump won this district by over 50 points. So it's a perfect district in this regard. Um, and, uh, you know, when I found out that my current rep was, uh, considering not to run, we don't know if she's going to run again or not, but, uh, you know, she was considering not to run. And so, um, yeah, I was frustrated, obviously with the, uh, what I consider the, the, the weak Republicans, the weak country club Republicans who don't want to stand up and fight back on a lot of these issues, uh, because they're fearful of, of the, uh, the, the media attacks that I quite frankly already went through. And, uh, you know, I said, you know what, there, there was you know, persecution happening in this country. We've got an open border. We've got, you know, American energy has been shut down. I mean, we've got election integrity issues. We've got, we got all these concerns and not enough people are standing up and fighting back about it. And I thought, you know what, what a better person to do it than, uh, than someone who's already went through all of this and has, 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 you know, been forged in the fire, if you will, and have, has withstood that. And I, look, I'm just a country boy from Southern West Virginia. I took one on the chin from one of the most powerful corrupt governments in the history of the world. I, I got up, dusted my britches off, and said, I'm still here, I'm still standing, and I'm still going to fight to help save America. And so that's decided, why I decided to go ahead and run. So, um, so this is for 2024? Yes, ma'am. And uh, so did this woman decide... Do you have an opponent? She's still, she's still undecided at this point. And, uh, you know, honestly, it doesn't matter to me if she runs or not. Um, I'm going to run my race. And the people here in southern West Virginia are – I've had way more support than I ever imagined, honestly. I was very I was very nervous because I, I, I know how the people in my immediate area have, have feel about me. If my name was on the ballot right now for any position in my district, like – I wouldn't even have to campaign. I just put my name on the ballot. These people threw me a party to go to prison. So I rode in on fire. My, my wife and my kids, we were supposed to ride on fire trucks. It was raining, so we got a party bus. We were escorted by fire trucks, the county sheriff's department. We went to a big uh, facility where they had a, a, a band and everything there. Over 300 people showed up, and they raised money for to help my family to, submit, to send me off to prison. So I got a ton of support. Oh, wow. But I didn't know how people in the other parts of the state – who didn't watch me grow up. They don't know the real me. They only seen what they saw on the news. You know, so I didn't know how they were going to feel about me uh, in terms of the situation you know, with January 6th. And so I was a little nervous, but there were some groups did some polling before I decided to run. And it was mind blowing how hungry this district is for an America first fighter to stand on the national stage and beat the drum for freedom. So I'm happy to give them that, that opportunity, that option to, to choose somebody like that. Well, I would vote for you if I 
if I lived in West Virginia, which obviously seems like a much better place to live than California when Newsom is the governor. <laughs> so, um, so you're running for, um, what did I say? They're running for, for, um, Senator or, or, or the House? Yeah, the U.S. House of Representatives. It's District 1 in West Virginia. If people want to learn more about me, they can go to my website. It's evans4wv.com, E-V-A-N-S, the number four or F-O-R, either one, E-V-A-N-S4wv.com. I got all my information over there. You can also follow me on social media, Twitter, True Social, um, Facebook, all those good places as well. Okay, that sounds good. And um, if you go to um, Derek's website, um again it's uh evans e-v-a-n-s for the spelt out f-o-r-w-v for west virginia.com um you'll find all kinds of things more about him and and about there's a particular um some pages about his the issues and you know when i was reading this it struck me that there's so much confusion um when it comes to politics if people just read your stance on these issues, whether they were Democrats or Republicans, I don't see how anybody, other than the abortion thing, we'll put that aside, but I don't see how anybody could not be for um, your view, your take on all these different things, immigration, jobs, national debt, uh, stop endless wars, supporting the military, supporting law enforcement, Chinese aggression, foreign policy, um, education, First Amendment, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, if people read this, without knowing that you were a Republican, um, I think people would be for these things. These are just common sense things, you know? Well, well, you know, the first thing I want people to know is, look, I'm not going to be beholden to the Republican Party. I, look, I'm not happy with them and what they do either. I, I'm, I'm a constitutional uh, conservative. At the end of the day, uh, I can disagree with someone's views and, and what they want to do, you know, what they want to do and say, but I'm going to defend their right and their freedom to do so, you know, based on the Constitution that gives them the, the 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 right to do that. Like, I think it's very important for people to understand that our we have natural God-given rights, and uh, the Constitution was written to prevent the government from infringing on these natural rights. Not they don't give us our rights, and so you know, absolutely, you know, I'm not a I'm not a typical politician, if you will. I'm I'm somebody who's going to stand up and and fight for everybody. Well, um, well, it sounds really good. And um, but you are running on the Republican as a Republican. Yes, ma'am. I am. I am a Republican. I'm just, you know, I'm, but I'm not. They're not perfect. Look, nobody's perfect. The, no, rhinos, no perfect. the rhinos aren't perfect. The people who they're are in control, unfortunately. Name, yes. The people who are Republicans in name only. And obviously, yes, ma'am. Like that. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. And I wish you a ton of luck. Uh, I'm not sure that you're going to need it. <laughs> Just I think, you know, who you are, people, you show who you are. And I, I, as I said, I think no matter what party people belong to, they would agree with um, your stance, your platform. So thank you again. And thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. And I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat.